Hello and welcome to CEF Insights, your source for closed-in fund education and perspectives. I'm Matthew Smith with the Closed-in Fund Association, and I'd like to thank you for joining us as we discuss the current closed-in fund environment and what investors might be able to expect as we head into 2024. I'd like to introduce Jeff Margolin, Senior Vice President with First Trust Portfolios, which manages a family of 14 closed-end funds. Jeff, it's great to have you with us again. Excellent. Thanks so much, Matthew. Very happy to be here. So, Jeff, you author First Trust's quarterly closed-end fund review. Let's begin with your thoughts on the current closed-end fund environment as we move into the fourth quarter of 2023. Sounds good, Matthew. It's It's been a, a very challenging environment uh, for closed-end fund investors, especially for the levered long-duration fixed-income closed-end funds. Uh, they've been hurt, as we've seen both short- and long-term rates rise uh, significantly this year. And that has created a very negative sentiment towards the closed-end fund structure. It's led to distribution cuts, and uh, it's also led to very wide discounts to NAVs in the secondary market for closed-end funds, which we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, but first, let's start with just some of the performance data year-to-date. And year-to-date through uh, September 27th, uh, the average closed-end fund is up uh, barely about 1% uh, year-to-date. Uh, equity closed-end funds are up uh, 3%. Taxable fixed-income funds are up uh, approximately 5%. Muni closed-end funds are down 8%. I can talk more about that in a moment. Preferred closed-end funds uh, also down, uh, down about 6%. Uh, but some categories have benefited from the rising interest rate environment. Uh, specifically, senior loan close-end funds stand out this year, up 13% uh, year-to-date. Uh, limited duration close-end funds, which tend to uh, have shorter durations and, and focus on uh, senior loans, shorter duration high yield, perhaps some mortgage-backed securities, they're up 8% year-to-date. Um, and another pocket of strength this year has been MLP close-end funds, which are up uh, 14% year-to-date. And, and all that data, share price total return data. Now, looking at the valuations of these very wide discounts to NAV, which currently exists in the secondary market, uh, and, and this negative sentiment uh, really is centered, uh, in my opinion, centered around this aggressive Fed tightening that we've seen, which, as I said, has led to a lot of distribution cuts and certainly higher long-term rates um, has hurt the, the, the more longer-duration fixed-income funds. Um, and it has led to uh, unusually wide discounts in the secondary market uh, and an opportunity, uh, in my opinion, as we'll talk uh, more about uh, later. But uh, through uh, 927, uh, the average closed-end fund was trading at a discount of 10%. Um, that's versus the 10-year average of a 6% discount. And when I look at discounts, whether it's an individual fund, whether it's a category of closed-end funds, I always look at the current discount relative to the long-term uh, average. And right now, most funds, many categories are wider than their long-term average. Equity closed-end funds, uh, average discount of 10% uh, versus the 10-year average of 7%. Uh, taxable fixed income funds, average discount of 7% versus the 10-year average of only a 5% discount. Muni closed-end funds really stand out, trading at significantly wider or more inexpensive discounts than they historically trade at. Indeed, uh, through 927 or as of 927, the average Muni closed-end fund was at 
discount to its net asset value. And that compares to the, the, the long-term average of only a 5% discount. And indeed, I looked, I, I went back over 20 years when looking at muni close end fund discounts. And as I said, we're at a 14% discount as of 927. There's only two other times in the past, uh, past 20 years when discounts have been this wide. One uh, was uh, March of 2020 during the, the COVID shutdown. Um, we saw discounts briefly get uh, indeed wider than 14%. And then the only other time was um, there were some period, uh, some moments during the fourth quarter of 2008 during the global financial crisis when discounts from uni close-end funds uh, were this wide. But um, nevertheless, these are unusually wide discounts for from uni close-end funds. And then preferred close-end funds also uh, really stand out with, with average discounts of 11% versus the 10-year average of only 2%. Uh, looking at distributions, um, as the Fed has embarked uh, on this very aggressive tightening campaign, which, which started uh, early last year, it's increased borrowing costs, leverage costs for the roughly two-thirds of closed-end funds that employ the use of leverage. And that's led to a lot of distribution reductions. But despite that, we still have very attractive distributions, from my standpoint, in the secondary market for closed-end fund investors. The, the average closed-end fund, as of 927 had a distribution rate of eight and a half percent. Equity funds were nine percent, taxable fixed income funds 11 percent, and muni close end funds at 4.8 percent. So, um, attractive distributions to be had again from my standpoint in the secondary market right now. Jeff, going back to discounts, which have remained quite wide for a majority of closed end funds throughout this year. When do you see discounts beginning to narrow and what would you expect to be the catalyst for this? Yeah, well, it, it's tough to know uh, for sure. Um, my opinion uh, is that when the Fed reaches its, its terminal rate um, and, and indicates that they are done raising uh, short-term rates, uh, it, that could be a catalyst to, to get discounts narrowing for, for really two reasons. One, um, our fixed income strategists uh, have looked back at, at prior tightening uh, cycles. And historically, when the Fed reaches that peak level, that, that, that terminal rate, um, many fixed income asset classes after that point, including municipal bonds, corporate bonds, mortgage-backed securities, um, historically perform well once the Fed reaches that, that peak rate, that terminal rate. So if you can kind of look forward six months or a year after the, the Fed stopped raising rates, historically, uh, many fixed income asset classes perform very well. So I think that could be a catalyst. Um, the other catalyst, which could help get discounts narrowing, um, I just think that, that this constant worrying about borrowing costs moving higher roughly every six weeks um, or, or so when the Fed meets, that will be behind us when they signal that, that they're done raising rates. And I think that will improve the overall sentiment for for closed-end funds. It, it could potentially lead to more distribution stability, which I think will be a positive. Um, and I think it could, again, begin the process of, of seeing discounts narrowing. Now, I am well aware that uh, if the Fed does stop um, now, or, or maybe they raise one more time, um, borrowing costs will, will still be at a, at a fairly high rate. Um, but but that constant, you know, drip, drip, you know, every six weeks of, of, of rates moving higher, having to worry about uh, the, the uh, Fed raising rates and borrowing costs moving higher, that will be behind us and we'll have a more stable um, a borrowing cost environment, which I think could have 
a, a positive impact on the sentiment for, for the closed end fund structure. Great. And Jeff, of course, you have a background as an analyst. In your opinion, what factors should investors be evaluating as they look for investment opportunities among closed end funds? Yeah, I mean, we, we could probably do a whole um, a podcast j just on this topic. But if I had to uh, summarize or, or kind of look at perhaps the most important four or five factors, and there, there really are a lot of factors to consider, um, here are a handful that, that really stand out. One, and, and most, most important, uh, this is the top of the list, in, in my opinion, you have to like the underlying fundamentals and, and the valuations of the underlying asset class that, that the fund is invested in. Because over time, the, the share price of a closed-end fund will be high, highly correlated to the fund's NAV. So I think it's very important to focus on funds where you think the underlying asset class um, it, it, it is poised to perform well. Um, because over time, if you're right, th then the share price uh, should track it. So number one, from my standpoint, uh, you've got to focus on the underlying asset class um, and you like the fundamentals and valuations. Two is certainly the, the portfolio manager, the portfolio management team. Um, their expertise in, in that asset class um, is important, that their track record with, with, with other funds that, that they manage, um, that's an important consideration. Uh, three would be the valuation. I, I think the valuation, what we pay for anything, wh whether it's a new car, a new suit, a bond, a stock, a close-end fund, the valuation, the price we pay is is important. And so, excuse me, I think the valuation of a close-end fund, the, the, the premium and or discount is important. And again, I look at it, that, that discount or that premium relative to the fund's historical average to try and get a sense of it, uh, of if, if there's value in that in that fund. So that would be third. Fourth, the distributions, after all, most funds, many funds have as their investment objective, the, the goal of providing income. Many investors who invest in the closed-end fund structure um, are indeed looking for distributions, looking for income. So the ability uh, of a fund to, to maintain its distribution is important. And, and you can look at a fund's earnings rate relative to, to what it's paying out. Um, and then the composition of the di distribution. Uh, how much of the distribution is, is interest income, you know, or earned income? How much is uh, capital gains uh, or return of capital? We are seeing more funds for a portion of their distribution pay out a return of capital. So I want to look at that composition of, of the distribution as well. But realizing in this environment with the Fed so drastically raising borrowing costs, it has been harder to find funds that have been able to uh, maintain their distributions. Not, not impossible, but m more of a challenge. But again, the, the distribution is an important factor. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then finally, the, the leverage, the, the leverage structure that there's roughly 440 close-end funds, approximately two-thirds employ the use of leverage. So I want to look at how much leverage is in a fund. Um, have they locked in any of their leverage costs? They have a floating rate leverage. Um, so that would be a, a fifth, uh, another factor. So that's a handful, five, uh, five factors, which I certainly would start with um, from my standpoint. Absolutely. And are there any particular asset classes or sectors where you believe closed-in funds currently offer opportunities that investors should consider? I do. I, I think there's a lot of opportunities r r right now in the secondary market. I, I like to use 
these periods of, of weakness that, that we've been going through. I know they're frustrating in the short term, but ultimately, I do think they can provide potential opportunity for, for longer term investors willing to, to take advantage of, of the weakness and discounts. So there are four areas, and this is not the only four areas that, that I find compelling, but uh, certainly four that, um, that I want to focus on. Uh, one, I, I'm a big believer in, in, in the long-term benefit and, 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 and potential of investing in, in equity income, you know, income closed-end funds, closed-end funds that are focusing on, on, on dividend-paying um, stocks. Um, and so given the, the attractive valuations, the, the discounts in the secondary market, the distributions, um, I do think this is a good time to, to dollar cost average and, and uh, dollar cost average into equity income oriented close end funds. Um, so that would be one area. Two and, and I guess three, um, while it's clearly been a, a tough environment for some of the longer duration fixed income close end funds, um, particularly levered long duration funds, they've been hit on both sides. Short term rates have gone up. So leverage costs have gone up. Uh, long-term rates have gone up, so the value of the securities has gone down. Um, but but two areas that, that have been hurt recently, but I think are compelling for for, for investors, um, would be municipal closed-end funds and and preferred uh, closed-end funds investing in preferreds. I think we're we're closer to the end than the beginning of this Fed tightening cycle, and that uh, coupled with uh, the, the wide discounts to, to NAV uh, that exist in the secondary market. Are, are compelling to me right now and, and attractive. So um, those would be two other areas along with equity income funds, muni closes that funds, preferred funds that I'd want to take advantage of this weakness and then dollar cost average. And and finally, I would look to, to add some shorter duration, limited duration, multi-sector funds. These are funds, again, which tend to have shorter durations, three or four years or less. They tend to be uh, focused on uh, shorter duration fixed income asset classes like floating rate senior loans, um, sometimes uh, shorter duration global bonds or mortgage-backed securities or, or high yield. So I think that can be an area to get a, a, attractive income, but also balance some of the duration risk associated with municipal closed-end funds and, and preferred funds. So those four areas right now, I think, blend well in a portfolio um, uh, at this point in time. I think there's attractive valuations. I like the underlying asset classes. So um, again, looking longer term, um, I want to take advantage of this weakness and, and, and add exposure um, to those four areas uh, at this point. Great. Thanks, Jeff. And before we wrap up our discussion, do you have any final thoughts as we go into the final months of 2023 and begin to think about 2024? Well, I, I would encourage investors to remain patient, to remain disciplined, um, to remain focused on, on the long term. Again, it's not necessarily fun to, to go through these volatile, difficult periods, um, but historically, um, they do create uh, opportunities, but potentially for the longer term. And historically, discounts this wide, you know, like, as I said, 10% for the average closed-end fund um, and, and, and wider for, for many individuals funds wider than their historical average by a significant amount in, in some cases they historically don't last forever and um, eventually the good old-fashioned price discovery takes hold discounts begin to narrow and and you historically see performance improve and again i don't know i don't think anyone knows it's hard to know when exactly that that point in time will, will occur but in my opinion 
Um, as I said earlier, I think the process could start when the Fed sig signals that, that they are done. Um, so in the meantime, I, I want to, um, I mean, again, I think this remains, from my standpoint, a compelling time for, for, for longer term investors to, to dollar cost average across several categories. I just named four that, that, that I find compelling right now. There's attractive valuations, attractive distributions. Let the distributions compound in, in your favor. Um, and, and again, I would just encourage investors to, to, to be disciplined and, and patient and, and focused on, on the on the longer term. And uh, with that, uh, thank you very much for, uh, uh, for for having me today, Matthew. Great perspectives, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, as always, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Um, and we want to thank also our viewers for joining us for another episode of CEF Insights. Uh, for more CEF Insights videos and podcast episodes, uh, please visit CIFA.com, your independent source for closed-end fund education, data, and insights. Thank you.